Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Strong, the powerful Brian Portnoy has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Brian. Hello, George. How are you? I am doing good. I think this is the third time, huh? Yeah, I'll see if I can get it right this time. Yes, uh, yeah. You're, you're glutton for punishment. Right. Just <laughs> to refresh everybody's memory, Brian is a CFA. He's a PhD. He's the founder at Shaping Wealth. and is the author of several books. His newest is How I Invest My Money. I'm excited to have you back on, Brian. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, so personal life, uh, wife and three teenage kids live in Chicago. My oldest is leaving for college next year, which is already beginning to, to freak me out. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all, that's all really good. Launched my own uh, business earlier in the year. Figured why not start something entrepreneurial in the middle of a pandemic? Seems like a genius move. And um, you know, Shaping Wealth is a financial wellness platform that's going to help advisors and clients have better conversations about what really matters with money. And, you know, as you alluded to, uh, book three uh, hit the, the bookshelves two weeks ago now. Uh, it is um, a co-edited book by Josh Brown and myself called How I Invest My Money. And it's 25 different essays, um, each no longer than five pages from different experts around uh, the industry, financial advisors, portfolio managers, uh, talking about how they invest, save, and spend. I love it. So five pages. Well, for the next edition, I could probably come up with five pages. So I don't know that I could ever write my own financial book, but you got to keep me in mind for the next one. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you might you might make the cut. But uh, just uh, free free advice to writers: ten pages is easy, five pages is hard, and two pages uh, is nearly impossible. Okay. So, I can assure you, I uh, I had to make some uh, slashes to some of these uh, longer essays. Nice. I, I appreciate that. All right. So so. You, you thought, okay, this is it's 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 time for me to to do something entrepreneurial. I, I know that you've certainly done a lot over the course of of your career, um, and then COVID has 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 happened to all of us. So, just what's what's sort of top of mind for you right now? From an entrepreneurial perspective, whatever. Um, so you know, top, what's really top of mind for me, um, or at least what I tend to think about most days professionally, is just people's relationship with money. Um, I, I think this is a hard game that's getting even harder. You know, the, the pandemic has had a, you know, I think we all know pretty broad and in some cases dire economic consequences for families, you know, many of whom weren't in, um, weren't in great shape to begin with. So, you know, that that's top of mind. And what I, I haven't traveled at all this year, but I still talk to a lot of groups and, you know, prior to March, I've been on the road nonstop for years. 
you know, people struggle with really articulating where money fits into their life because um, even though they don't always articulate it this way, it's um, it's an emotional journey. It's an emotional scorecard with a lot of different different dimensions. So top of mind for me is, is providing for people the right vocabulary, the right concepts, and the right mental models to figure out how money fits into a meaningful life. Nice. So when you say vocabulary... What does that mean? Well, you know, you know as well as anyone, our industry is just filled with jargon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in, in our industry in particular, um, but not exclusive to our industry, jargon can be used to actually confuse and to, you know, put people in a situation where they might not make the, the, the best decisions. So when we talk about investing and, you know, you, you talk to tons of smart investors, I think we take for granted that people know what stocks and bonds are and what it means to build a portfolio, what it means to have a budget and a savings plan and, you know, all, all those kinds of things. And, you know, first of all, people just don't care as much as you and I do. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and and secondly, you know, financial education in America, but globally generally, is abysmal. Um, we don't really equip um, younger folks, young adults, you know, people entering the workforce with um, with uh, you know, sort of a dictionary and a roadmap for what I call money life. And money life to me has seven dimensions: not just investing, but earning, saving, spending, um, borrowing, and um, uh, and, and giving. And each of those is a you know, sort of distinct area, um, not only of activity uh, and things that we need to get organized, but you know, there are psychological and emotional dimensions to, to all of those experiences. So you know, a lot of what I do boils down to making people comfortable with the decisions that they need to make. But until you sort of bucket things into the right categories and attach words to them that actually make sense to people, um, you, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of in a hard spot until you get there. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's really well said right there. And it, it, it's so true that, that the industry does, I, I, you know, I think a lot of the time it's, it's intentionally using jargon to, 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 to confuse to your point and then just take it for granted that, yeah, not, not everybody's thinking about all this stuff all the time. And some of the things mm-hmm. that are so basic, uh, a, a lot of people don't necessarily know, even though they might pretend to know. Um, so I, I certainly appreciate all that. In terms of the concepts um, that, that you mentioned, you mentioned the vocabulary, the concepts, and mental models. Tell me more about the concepts. So, well, I'll, I'll bridge both concept and, and, and mental model. So I kind of have a working concept of um, funded contentment, which is my shorthand for the achievement of true wealth. So I, I like to talk to people about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. And being rich is, or trying to become rich is, is the accumulation of more. And we know from psychology and neuroscience that the quest for more is often very unsatisfying. There's, there's something known as the hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaptation that um, basically says that no matter what you achieve in life, it, you'll probably be less happy for a shorter period of time than you would have guessed prior to you actually achieving that goal. So, um, 
you know, uh, the accumulation of money being rich is one thing to be wealthy is to me, that's, that, that, that's very different. That's the ability to underwrite a meaningful life. And it's a kind of deliberately loaded phrase. Uh, what does it mean to have a meaningful life? What does it mean to underwrite it? Um, that that's, you know, sort of what I work on with, with teams of financial advisors and their clients. And there's one core mental model, which is that you start with defining your purpose. And then from there, you dig into your priorities, both financial and non-financial. And then underneath that, you begin to make decisions across those seven dimensions of money life that I mentioned earlier. And so the model is simply purpose, priorities, uh, decisions, and um uh, you know, you're not, it's not a one and done thing. You don't go through that cycle once you, you basically go through it your, your entire life. Um, because you're always trying to figure things out We're we're adapting to a, to a changing world and, and things happen in life. And, um, the purpose priorities and decisions, mental model, and, and what those concepts actually mean. Um, I think it's just a really rich or fertile soil, uh, uh, you know, in which people can figure out how to achieve true wealth. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that that's, I think it's such a, such an important thing. Um, I, I love the idea of funding contentment. I, I remember, I remember we've talked about that in a previous conversation and I've been a fan of the idea of contentment and the practice of contentment for a long time. I don't think it's talked about enough. And the idea of true wealth and helping people to understand um, that it's beyond simply the accumulation of more. Um, and I think that it has to be super helpful when you're giving people the vocabulary um, that that's going to also bleed over into helping them to really define purpose as well and then to, to be able to form their priorities. How, how, how is it received with, with these financial advisors that you coach? Well, the ones I'm actually coaching are totally into it, but that reflects a sample bias, right? Um, you know, if we step back to the industry overall, you know, some people are into this and some people aren't. The, I, I don't know exactly how many hundreds of thousands of advisors there are in, in the U.S., uh, but they run the gamut from old school brokers to financial therapists. Um, and, you know, there's no one right way to be. Um, there's better and worse expressions of, of, of all of those things. Just like in medicine, there's lots of different specialties. You know, some people are just totally into the markets and they want to find the hot stock. And, you know, maybe they have customers or clients that want, you know, want that hot stock. And then, you know, at the other end, you've got... You know, like I said, financial therapists who really dig into your personal issues, you know, related to money and and somewhere in the middle is, you know, sort of this vast, somewhat gray area of 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 coaching or combination of financial planning and financial coaching. And, you know, in that sweet spot, there are lots of people who are wide open to it. But I'd say that, you know, my experience, especially as I've you know built out my platform a little bit this year. Um, been mostly under the radar, building out content and technology that I'll that I'll roll out next year. But to the extent that I talk to plenty of advisors on a on a weekly basis, you know, they want to know more. Uh, they know this stuff is important, um, and they also know from a business stability point of view that a lot of the things that they had done in the past um, for their clients have become commoditized. 
meaning that their businesses are going to be less profitable and less stable. So if you think about sort of portfolio building and constructing the right portfolio for someone's specific goals, that's a, you know, that's a, a task worth a few basis points now. Um, historically, that's a task that, you know, people have charged a lot of money for uh, and still do. And, you know, some can still do that with clients who are, are willing to, you know, will, willing to write that check, so to speak. But the groups that I talk to, and some of them are very large brand name groups, know that change is always happening in the industry and that they need to offer more and better to their clients in order to not only serve the clients better, but to compete. So, you know, I, I've, I have found a pretty wide open um, audience for the types of things that um, my team and I are talking about. Nice. Glad to hear it. Yeah. So the book, How, How I Invest My Money, it's 25 different essays, each no longer than five pages. What was the, uh, what was the motivation on, 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 on the structure that you and Josh Brown chose? Yeah, the, the short, story, short version of the story is that Josh himself wrote a blog in mid-2019 called How I Invest My Money. And it was very transparent and kind of raw in terms of how he does he builds his portfolio and a little bit on his family and their lifestyle and saving and spending. And, you know, he and I are friends and got to talking about maybe putting together a volume of those sorts of essays. And, you know, we reached out to a couple good friends um, at first, Morgan Housel and Christine Benz, who are both, you know, wonderful in their own right and, and, and great writers. And, um, you know, we asked them if they'd want to participate. They said yes. They submitted their chapters. They were both fantastic right off the bat. And um, so we had Josh's, Morgan's, Christine's, and I, I wrote one as well. And so with those four essays as a template, we went out to friends and peers in the industry, um, diverse group of you know, p- people in their 20s, people in their 60s, um, uh, men, women, people of color, um, you know, just a, a pre- it's, it's a very um, pleasantly diverse group in an industry that's not always very diverse. And, you know, we said, hey, you know, would you like to contribute your 1500 words? And here are a few samples, but really blank piece of paper. Do, you know, write whatever you want. And the awesome part, the best part of this project is that we we were a little concerned about a bunch of me too uh, chapters everyone sure. sort of telling the same story um we got back in total you know with christine and and morgan as well 23 completely different stories and they were more they were stories i mean these weren't spreadsheets um i mean a couple of the authors like christine actually mentioned um tickers and got into some details but i'd say Every you know, for the most part, it was qualitative stories that were about where money fit into their lives and their family lives. And so money was an expression of their values. And so it just wasn't about, okay, how do I generate alpha in my portfolio or how do I turn, you know, you know, $100 into $200. It was more okay, we're, we're saving and spending and investing and insuring and doing all of these things. How, how does that map up to who we are and who we want to be and how we want to help others? So I, I was just really proud of all of the contributions. Well, that's awesome. I mean, what a cool project. And um, 
yeah, I, I guess simply put, uh, c- congratulations. Yeah, thanks, man. So it turned into a lot of qualitative stories, the money ex- as an expression mm-hmm. of value. I, I, anything that surprised you about the process? Uh, I wouldn't say that I was surprised in the sense of, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe they would ever do something like that. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, like I alluded to earlier, that you know we got such a variety of different stories. Um, and I will say that you know many of the contributors, all of whom are professional investors, manage money on other people's behalves. Everyone knows sort of the financial or- orthodoxy from MBA school or finance classes. You know, everyone knows that cold, but. You know, people don't really stick to the orthodoxy. You know, for example, a lot of people in the book were holding a fair amount of cash in their portfolio. I mean, Morgan Housel, who's our leadoff batter and an amazing writer, he spent a fair amount of his chapter talking about um, money as freedom and optionality and basically the ability to spend your time however you would like. And, you know, he said in his chapter, as did I, as did... um, Gosh, who else? I'm blanking. But there were at least five or six chapters with a contributor saying that they hold way more cash than the formal models would suggest. It wouldn't be an efficient portfolio because you could, you know, supposedly invest that money for a higher rate of return, which is sort of obvious because rates are zero. But um, because um, money gave you stability or cash gave you stability. Uh, cash gave you optionality, you know, for, for some of us, financial capital and our human capital are closely correlated. So you don't want to have too much in the market uh, because, you know, when every, when one thing goes down, when, when your skills are um, being less valued, your, your portfolio will as well. So I wouldn't call any of that surprising, but certainly noteworthy and just emphasizes the point to all of the, the readers of the book that there's no one right way to do this, but, you know, there's probably a right way that fits, you know, your plan, your values, your goals, your aspirations. Love it. Well, Brian, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My tip, and we'll go back to uh, kind of concepts here, um, is to think about the concept of enough and the relationship between wanting more and having enough. Um, it's, it's become more and this, this topic's become more and more of my, my writing and some of my speeches and, and coaching engagements with, with different groups. And I might summarize it by saying that more is a number and enough is a mindset. And that, that distinction I made earlier between being rich and wealthy kind of maps onto this. And, and for folks who want to have a healthy relationship with money, Uh, to a life well-lived that they can afford, Um, taking the time to think around the notion of what it means to have enough is time well spent because it ends up for many people opening some doors they might not have otherwise in thinking about what they want to buy versus not buy, how they want to invest, how they want to save, how they want to insure um, you know, what's important to them. So, um, it, it's, uh, I, I don't know if that f- 
fills the bill that you're asking for, <laughs> but I'd say more versus enough is a, is, a, is a topic that people should spend more time thinking about. And more is relatively easy because you can quantify it. Uh, enough is not quantifiable. It's something that you have to be comfortable with in your own mind and according to your own values. And I think there's a pretty deep well of exploration there. Like well, that is great stuff that definitely gets, come on. Come on. Brian, thank, thank you so much for coming back on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they learn about shaping wealth? And where can they get, where can they get a copy of How I Invest My Money? Sure. Uh, so the book's available on Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. And even if there were bookstores left during the <laughs> pandemic, I don't know if any are actually open. Um, but, you know, at all your normal booksellers, my uh, company website is shapingwealth.com. And, um, you know, I hang out on, on Twitter a bit. There's a very proactive and, and constructive um, uh, financial Twitter community where people share good ideas and help each other out. And I'm uh, at just my name, at Brian Portnoy, and easy to find me there and DM, uh, send me a DM if there's anything on your mind. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Brian your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. You can pick up a copy of How I Invest My Money at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all fine booksellers. Check out Brian's work at shapingwealth.com. Follow him on Twitter as well. Thanks again, Brian. You bet. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.